The following podcast is a Green Fresh Media production. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Too Smart for This, a podcast dedicated to knowing better and doing better for ourselves and others. Today's guest is Madison Dewey, the founder of Herd Social, which is a revolutionary new social media app. And she's also my former coworker who helped me get my new role at YouTube, which she previously had. I loved talking to her about all things entrepreneurship and self care, to which the, she is the queen of both of. And if you are ever someone who's been interested in starting your own company, especially in the tech or social space, or just in general, this is a perfect episode to give you that confidence to get started. So definitely check it out. And don't forget, everything will be linked down below if you want to learn more about myself or my guests. I am so excited for you to hear this episode. So let's get into it. Welcome to Too Smart for This. I'm so excited to chat with you about your life and all the changes you're making in this world. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and and catch up and talk. I know, right? So for people who don't know, Maddie and I worked together at Google or YouTube or whatever, and I took her job when she left. So that's (laughs) how we know each other. Um, But I would love to get started with some rapid fire questions, and then we can get into who you are, what you do, and your life now. Perfect. Let's do it. Appetizers or dessert? Ooh, dessert. I'm such a sweets person. (laughs) Instagram or TikTok? TikTok. All the way. (laughs) Favorite TV show of all time? Ugh, that's a hard one. It's so hard. I feel like I have memory problems, so I'm going to choose my current favorite TV show, which is Ted Lasso, just because it's so wholesome. It takes me out of current reality. Very valid. Very valid. Do you have a favorite podcast? And if not, you can do a favorite book. Mm, favorite podcast. Oh my gosh. Why am I blanking on every podcast I've ever listened I to? I do the same thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know this is supposed to be rapid fire, but I'm genuinely like, what podcast have I been listening to? I love Girls Gotta Eat. That's like a classic comedy one, yeah. but there are a few like probably more interesting ones that I could list, but I'm completely blanking. So we'll just okay, go with Girls Gotta Eat. Sounds good. Most important self-care practice? My skincare routine in the morning that I do not miss, regardless of how hectic things are. As you should. We love to see it. <laughs> okay, so let's chat. Could you tell myself and the audience a little bit more about who you are and like what you do now? Yeah, so my name is Maddie Dewey. I'm born and raised in Southern California, post-grad. Uh, got a job at Google working in advertising, which is what I studied in college. Always thought that I was going to stay at Google for my entire career. <laughs> it, was, it was one of those moments like getting a job at Google that I feel like was really transformational in my life, both from like a financial perspective and just believing in myself, but mm-hmm. really thought that I was going to stick at Google for my entire career. Um, but after just a year in the rotational program I was in based in Chicago, I got an offer to move to Seattle, still with Google, um, but in a different ads position. And then the pandemic hit. So during that time, I really had to sit back and think about my job as a 24-year-old and just trying to decide if that's something I wanted to actually continue with. And it became very clear in the isolation that I did not want to do ads anymore. 
Mm-hmm. And so I decided to start making content on TikTok and just giving marketing advice and content creation tips, which led to me getting a job at YouTube. Um, so I transferred to become the global content strategist for YouTube Shorts, which is now, as Alexis mentioned, <laughs> her job. Um, and from there, started just thinking about my own relationship with social media as I was analyzing both YouTube content creators and TikTok content creators. I recognized that me as a consumer wasn't really getting what I wanted from my social media experience, both in the way that I was comparing myself to other people, never feeling like my time spent on the platform was really good for me. Um, And at the same time, feeling like as an adult, I didn't have people that shared my same interests anymore. I had great high school and college friends, but the things I wanted to talk about in tech and media and mental health, I didn't necessarily have a group for. And so um, I started Herd with one of my best friends and as a place really to just think about social media as a whole, create a new platform and a space for people to connect through their interests in a metrics-free environment. So that's kind of the rundown of my career. (laughs) And honestly, it's like, it's wild to me that you've done all this in such a short amount of time, but I can imagine like for you, it feels like it's been forever. Totally. I think honestly, a lot of it was overlapping and just starting to explore those interests during my full-time job still. So it's like, I've been through many careers and I'm only 25 right now, but when I joined Google, immediately I started exploring things outside of my initial ads job. And so that allowed me to start moving into real jobs because I had this like expertise that I had built on the side, which is something I always recommend for people. Like you're never too early in your career to start exploring other things and use your free time outside of work to build up that experience. And that can totally translate in the real work environment. I mean, absolutely. I think both of us are examples of that. And so I'm curious for you and being an entrepreneur, being a female entrepreneur right now, especially in tech is very difficult as I'm sure you face lots of challenges. But for you, what gave you the courage to really get started with this and take it seriously yourself? That's a great question. Honestly, it was it was very frightening. And I held on to my full-time job for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, like I mentioned, when I got a job at Google, like for me, I, I was like, I have made it. Like I was the first woman in the family to graduate from college. Getting a job in tech had been unheard of in anyone in my family. And so the thought of leaving that when you have stock options that have invested, Mm -hmm. healthcare, and I could pay for my student loans, right? Like all of those things were so important to me. But I got to a point with Herd and working on that where it almost felt too important to to not put my full time into. And so I had gotten to a position where I'd been at Google for just about three years. Financially, I felt like I had some footing under me and could move home. So made the decision to give up my lease in Seattle, move back in with my family. I'm one of five kids, so it's a pretty crowded spot. But yeah, yeah, you're one of six, right? Of eight. Or one of eight. Oh my gosh. So yeah, you totally, you feel me on a completely different level. But just, yeah, being at home helped me make that decision as well. So I feel very lucky that I was able to do that. But yeah, the the decision did not come easy. It did not come lightly. And I think that a lot of women and underrepresented founders do have to put in a lot more time at a full-time job than 
maybe other groups because they need that financial security um, Mm -hmm. and they don't maybe have that safety net. But at the end of the day, I felt like it was the right time to invest all of my time into doing something I'm passionate about. And I've always had the mindset in like two years time, like I, if it's not working, then I can go back and I'm going to be a better person for it. I have nothing to lose right now. I think that's a really good point, especially when you talk about like how you didn't come from like a family where you could just like quit your job and it be completely fine. Like you had to work for your own financial security. And I think that's something we don't see a lot with people who, who make it sometimes. So mm-hmm. I love that story, first of all, because it's actually relatable. But it does go to show that like the whole like entrepreneurial dream of like quitting your job and making it work isn't always what you have to do either. It's like you've got to still be smart about it. Totally. Yeah. And I still do some consulting freelance on the side just to make me feel better about the situation. Like I I think that there are ways to make it happen, but it's not going to look like always quitting your job or, or never taking a job post-college or dropping out of college and moving <laughs> into your parents' garage and making no money. Because for some people, like it, I, I'd say for a good majority of people, they don't have that safety net. And it's glamorized a lot because I think overall the space has been overwhelmed by people who do have that safety net. Totally. So let's talk about what hurt is and why you're so passionate about it and what specifically like when you were building this platform on TikTok or Instagram, what triggered you and made you be like, this is not, this shouldn't be the end of social media. Yeah. So a lot of it stemmed from my time on TikTok. So I got on TikTok end of 2019, was fascinated by how quickly things would pick up and how fast trends would move and started talking about that in like February, right before the pandemic. So I got in at a really good time. But what happened was I started connecting with a ton of really amazing creators who were full-time doing content or wanted to be full-time doing video content and content on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And what the disconnect was for me is I found that most content creators were talking publicly to their audience and saying like, you're my community, right? You're my family, you're people that I care about and I want to invest in. But at the same time, those conversations behind the scenes are very much about building a brand, building an audience, getting more views. How do they keep their presence? And that's totally fine. But when we're talking about a day in and day out consumer, they maybe don't always need to be a part of an audience. They maybe really need a community. And when taking a step back, all of the real social media platforms we use today are media consumption vehicles. And that's fine. But what about the social networks? And when we think about the space right now with Facebook, right? It's like Facebook and LinkedIn are more social networks than social media, I would say. But they do a terrible job of not only ensuring the safety of their users, but also helping them discover communities in a really easy, fast way. So all that to say, with Herd, it was like, okay, how do we give everyday people who maybe don't want to be a content creator or don't want to just consume content, give them a space to connect with other people? And how do we do it in a way where it's good for their mental health? Because as Mm. you probably know, and anyone listening knows, there's numerous, like countless studies on the fact that Instagram and social media is toxic and bad for our mental health and bad for our body image and particularly bad for women. Yes. And so if we know that, why would we create a platform that's just going to further that cycle? So it's kind of this two-part solution to the bigger problem I see. 
Absolutely. Wow. Okay. See, I really resonate with that, first of all, because I think um, as a creator who tries to create a community, it's very hard to do that through like one-on-one DMs, you know? Right. And especially through it's difficult to do so through just like creating content and hoping it gets like shown to the right people, you know, like it's impossible. So what would you say differentiates your app like on like, on, like, like for people who haven't used it before, like why should they download it? Yeah. Well, what I will say first and foremost is we're still in the very early beta stages. So the vision that we have for the future maybe isn't exactly the product that you see today. Totally. But if you want to download Herd right now, you tell us your top 15 interests. And from those 15 interests, we match you every single week with a feed of people that share two to three of those things. So the the interests that you can select range from things as broad as dogs and as narrow mm-hmm. as hot girl walking. So there's very specific and broad interests that you can select from. And then you post photos in a metrics-free environment. So your photos, say you post a photo of just yourself on a walk, that can go to any of those people that share those interests with you for the week. So it's allowing you to see a feed of people that not only are you seeing them for their photo, but you're also knowing what they care about and knowing what you have in common. So it makes it transparent. And That's then in so the next, exciting. yeah, it, it's very fun so far. And in the next few weeks, we're launching a group chat feature where not only are we, you know, dropping you into the photo based feed, but we'll now also put you in a small group of 30 people or less who share two of those interests. So, you know, everyone in that group is maybe Gen Z and also a woman in tech, for example. Oh my God. I love that. I would kill. So iconic. So then you mentioned like you have larger visions for the future. What do those look like? Yeah. So what, how, how the app building process works is you always have an idea, right? For your solution to your problem, but Mm -hmm. then that evolves over time as you build out a user base. So we really started with our first version is just understanding how people shared photos in a metrics free environment. So when you don't have follower counts or like counts, what kind of content do you post? And we found it to be overwhelmingly casual, far less inspirational, which is great. Um, But that gave us the opportunity to then add the interest piece and allow people to connect over their interests. Next, like I mentioned, is the group chat. But from there, we really want Herd to be a place where you can either find your digital Herd, your digital community, or find people in real life that you want to meet up with. So For example, right now our interests are all um, broad, like life events and hobbies and and maybe fitness, things like that. But down the line, we'll also add the closest big city to you. So you could then each week find someone that's in New York City and also into podcasting and in tech, right? So helping people not only connect digitally, but see that there are people in their city that share those same interests that they have. And I really love that bringing it to the real world because I remember in college, like um, I went to Northwestern and I would expect that there would be a lot more like people like me when I got there. But in reality, like there wasn't a lot of like black girls who were interested in business in the same way that I was. And so when I joined this like career program that was like an application process and difficult to get into and stuff and found that there were other people, like it wasn't until my junior year of college that I realized there were other people like me like out there, you know, and that Mm -hmm. type of thing, this sort of just eliminates that barrier of having to like go 
so much of your life without knowing that like there's other people like you out there. So I think it's a really that's a really beautiful addition. And I can't wait for that to get built out. Thank you. Yeah, I think you hit on a few things, right? Like, also, our generation is so used to talking to each other online and connecting online. We've kind of like forgotten how to talk to each other, I think, outside of that. I mean, think about when our parents probably were going to going out into social events or bars, they would talk to strangers all the time. Oh, yeah. We're at a place where it's like, I sometimes get social anxiety ordering a burger, right? Like, I think that's a very common experience for for Gen Z is feeling like talking to other people in real life is hard. And so trying to get people comfortable again, meeting other people, helping them see that there are other people who have that intersectionality of interest, but then removing some of the the barriers that exist. So like you mentioned, right, applying into something is what you would have to do to maybe meet those people. Or I think a lot about college life and people have to pay potentially mm. in a club or an organization to try to find that community. And still, even then, it's difficult because people aren't walking around with signs that say, I care about these things. And so helping people like actually do that in a free environment is something we're really excited about. I love that. And I'm also, I also know this about you is that you don't have a tech background, right? No, I don't. I studied public relations and advertising in college, which was like very creative. I love that for you. So how did you build this algorithm app, you know, technology-based product? Mm, That's a great question. For me, (laughs) it's kind of funny. Like I, if I would have talked to myself five years ago, I'd be like, you're doing what now? But I, during my time at Google was able to really spend some time with, with engineers on the team that I was on. We were developing ads products for a specific client. And so while I wasn't in the tech world coding, I had to read a ton of technical documents. And I always wanted to understand how things worked on the deepest level because I had to explain the product to the client. So I knew that I needed to know as much as possible. And that got me really comfortable with understanding how engineers and the technical brain works, even though I couldn't do it myself, I felt really strong in communicating uh, what I wanted to do. And that really went to the next level when I started consuming content on TikTok, because I was really trying to understand why videos popped off, what created a viral video, both from like the content perspective, but also technical. Mm -hmm. Um, And just understanding that basically all of these algorithms that we know are based on similar audiences, like pretty much every single one operates in that way. So if you like a video and consume a piece of content um, and there's someone who likes and consumes content similar to you, then they're probably going to get the video that you also enjoyed, right? So it's just all about overlapping. Um, And so just that basic understanding and knowledge on how to talk to technical people made me feel really comfortable going and finding an engineer who could execute on what I was speaking about. That's like that's also like a really great like not only is that amazing experience like that propelled you into this role but also a great reminder that you like whatever you do always has like a role in what you're meant to do longer term you know like you probably mm-hmm. while you were in ads you were sick of reading those docs but then eventually like it really ended up preparing you for something that you're really passionate about. Like I could not agree more. I think there were times where I'm like, why am I staying up trying to understand this technical jargon? I'm never going to get it. Imposter syndrome, I think definitely kicks in in a lot of those environments when you're non-technical in a tech world. But reminding yourself that 
I think no one is no one knows everything and that you are just as valid in trying to understand and asking questions really helped me feel confident and just knowing how to talk to engineers because honestly sometimes Stop. that's 90% of the problem. My boyfriend's an engineer. It's difficult to talk to this man <laughs> on a daily basis. Yeah. You're, it's crazy. you're seasoned though. You're ready to go jump into the tech field. Oh my God. I'm ready. I, t- I, I told him he, we have, we both have the perfect skills to build an app. We just need an <laughs> You totally do. <laughs> yes. Um, so I'm curious to what, like how you got funding truthfully like what was the process like because I know it's different for everyone there's venture capital there's like um angel investors like what helped you like how did you start pitching to people and get to a point where you were like able to leave Google to do this yeah so I'm sure it's no surprise to people but getting funding as a woman is particularly difficult if you're going the venture capital route. Um, I think like 2% of venture capital funds went to women last year. So that's terrifying. Um, And on top of that, I think we just hit 100 Black women who have raised a million dollars or above, which is something that's being celebrated, but it's like, why has it only been 100? So in general, the space is pretty messed up if you're any sort of underrepresented founder. For me, um, what I was advised to do is talk to friends and family, which I thought was hilarious because I'm like, oh, you, this is like showing the privilege of this space because I do not have friends or family that can just give me 10 grand to go and, you know, do this. So I knew I needed to get creative. And I think this is where the power of TikTok actually comes into play. So I had built up, I think like I had 50,000 people following me at this point in time. And a lot of those were creators. One of them was actually a finance creator who was about the same age as me, but had built this entire financial portfolio, is a financial creator, and had become a really good friend of mine. And so when I started talking about Herd publicly before I even, you know, had a developer, he immediately was like, I want to help. I want to support you. I want to invest. And so he was our first check. Um, So just goes to show like the power of TikTok and the power of your personal brand and connections that you never thought would lead to something totally do. And the first check is typically the the hardest one. And he's just someone who believed in me first. So I'm always grateful for him. But from there, um, obviously, I knew that I needed to get a little bit more before leaving my full-time job. And um, Google is really what helped me with that. So I had a previous boss um, who was such a champion for me in my career in the ad space Um, when I told him I was leaving for YouTube, he was pretty upset at me, but also was like, I want to stay close to your career. Let me know what you're doing. And I told him about Herd at that time. And he was like, let's keep talking about this. And so he was another person to not only write a check, but he had a ton of connections just because, you know, he's in that space. And so he brought a group of his friends together to help us lead a small angel round that allowed um, my co-founder and I to leave our full-time jobs and also bring on an additional developer. So it's like (laughs) you have to get just in the space where you have one person who's connected to believe in you. Um, And then from there, getting them to open up their network is really the best advice I can give to anyone who doesn't have that network themselves. And also, like, 
it's iconic because I think it's even uh, the simple thing of being as small as me and you being TikTok mutuals, getting me a whole new job is like <laughs> the smaller version of you being able to literally start a company just because like over time you made all of these connections. Like you can never underestimate the power of networking in that way. Totally. And I really thank TikTok for exposing me to so many people outside of that. That's what I'm like. It's so weird when I talk about social media because I'm like, there's so much good to come from it, but there's still, I think, opportunity in the space. But yeah, if you if you haven't started your TikTok yet and you have an idea, start talking about it publicly. Start sharing what you care about. There's no right way to do it, but you never know what's going to come from being open about what you care about. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you never know because you never know who's really out there. And like, I think Herd will do a great job in and is already doing a great job in connecting those people in a way that, you know, brings a lot more hope and like gets at more of the good as opposed to more of the the hard parts, which is so wonderful. So I'm also curious now that you are full time, you've quit your job, you live, you, I guess I know you and your co-founder have a fun living arrangement. Could you tell me what your days are like now? Yeah, they really vary, I'd say week to week, depending on what stage we're at. So as a founder, and I'm, I play the CEO role, um, you're kind of always in the fundraising mindset. So some days I'm really dedicated to talking to potential investors, really cleaning up our pitch, um, making sure that we have good communication and are continuing to build relationships with those people. Um, And then the other parts of my week are spent both talking to product. So talking to the engineering team, making sure that they have all of the designs and mocks that they need, which I wear that hat as well, which is like classic small startup. You're kind of playing every role. So part of it is making sure the developers have everything they need, that they're on time with all of their deadlines, keeping them accountable. Um, And then another big part of it is spending time thinking about the future. So as someone who's leading a company, you need to be thinking like two years out minimum, thinking big picture, and then either taking yourself back into the current day or having a really strong co-founder, which I feel very lucky to, that helps me make sure that every single day we're spending time on what's going to get us to to reach that future vision. So it's a lot of thinking, a lot of meetings, and oftentimes a lot of stress about uh, your next month or two. But Overall, I would say you get to spend a lot of time dreaming, which I really, really appreciate. I love that. Oh, my goodness. You get to spend a lot of time dreaming. And I love that. That's like my favorite thing to do. So yes. how, do you give yourself, how do you give yourself structure when you feel like there's so much to do? Like how do you take care of your mental health? Yeah, there's been times where that's been really difficult. I'm not going to lie. I think right now I left my full-time job in July. So this is probably the best I've felt, honestly, across this whole journey. The first month or two, I was going all over the place. Like I was a series of really high highs and really low lows. But what helped me is having something that I do every single morning. So not only my skincare routine, but I go for a walk. Even if it's 15, 20 minutes, like get outside, get away from my computer and like really trying to stay dedicated to that ritual uh, is very helpful. And then from there, just knowing that each day I should have one focus area. So if I'm going to focus on our next year's strategy, right, I'm going to spend a whole day in that thought process. If I'm going to be thinking about 
the product piece or if I need to put together mocks, I'll do the whole day doing that. We do all of our engineering sprint planning on one day. So I try to block things out because for me, my brain isn't like nine to five. That's when it works. Sometimes my brain is like nine to noon and then 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. And so in order to avoid the burnout, what I've had to do is say, this is my focus area for the day. These are like the main three things that I need to do. And whatever time in the day I get those things done, then I have accomplished what I needed to. If I get more done, great. If not, that's okay. Because I think as an entrepreneur, it's really easy to feel like there's an endless list of things to do. But if you're always feeling like you're never done, then you're just going to burn out so quickly. Exactly. I also think you do a great job of just like having a structure in the morning. And I feel like a lot of people are are like think that they have to replicate that nine to five type of thing. But in reality, like it's when it gets done is when it gets done. But you have to put a stop to it sometimes too, instead of like burning the what is that? I don't even know what that thing is like burning, burning the, the last candle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So having I think that it makes sense that those first few months were tough and that now you're like building a better structure for yourself because you never know what things are going to be like until you're doing them. Totally. Yeah. And Honestly, I think no one prepares you. There's like no handbook on how to transition out of a nine to five when that's all you've known. And so you have to figure out what works for you. But I feel also it's really important, even though you're leading a company, like you need to have those people that you can talk to openly about your mental health. I think a lot of people, whether they're running their own business or leading a team or a manager, feel like they can't talk about when they're struggling. Mm -hmm. And yeah, maybe it's not appropriate to, you know, tell the people that are working for you this thing, but have those few people that you can feel confident in, in, in speaking about whether it's a therapist or a friend, because, um, you deserve to have good mental health too. It doesn't, you don't have to carry the burden all on your shoulders alone. Totally. And speaking of there not really being a handbook, I'm curious though, if there were any resources that really helped you like stay like figure out or take the leap or have the confidence to know that like you too could be a founder. Mm-hmm. Like um, it could be book, podcast, any of it. Yeah. I just recently I'm big into listening to audiobooks because then I can walk and, li- and listen. So it's a great Same. multitask. Uh, yeah, it's the best. I recently listened to The Power of Now, which is very much like uh I think it's like known in the world of like manifestation and I literally have it on my bookshelf. Okay. Yeah. Have you read it? No, it's like it's like, you know, one of those things I'm like gonna read over winter vacation, I guess. <laughs> okay. Great. Yeah. I think for me that was a huge, huge help. Um it's it's talking about how our brain and our thoughts can be our own worst enemy in a lot of ways and how we spend so much time thinking we've almost become just like our brain is taking over and we're not giving ourselves space to decompress and just not be in thought and not be worrying about things. And so for me, thinking about like, all I have is right now and there's so much power in the now, but also like when you think about your current right in the moment, it's hard to be worried or stressed because those things either exist in the past or the future, which technically mean they're not real yet. I I probably sound crazy to anyone who's not read read the book, but 
for me, it really helped me feel empowered to like take the time that I have, which is right now to do the things that I want to do and feel good about doing those things versus worrying about the future or thinking about maybe how I don't have the experience in the past that would have helped me get to a better future. Right. Um, right. And so that helped, me, that helped me break down a lot of my own internal thoughts, negative thoughts, and just what I think was really like holding me back from feeling 100% about the position I'm in. I love that. And I think that it's a good and important, you know, reminder to keep reading because now I'm definitely going to maybe open that book tonight. Um, <laughs> but I also like, I do think we get in our heads way too much to a point like where it really can like even a basic example is like you're at work and you think you're not doing well but like you're just overthinking it and in reality no one's thinking anything negative about you you know like this happens for everybody yeah and and this book talks about the like separation between you and your thoughts right because we're talking about oh we think we're not doing enough it's like you're kind of talking about two people like who's the we that's thinking that's thinking we're not doing enough and so understanding the separation and the tricks that your brain plays on you kind of makes sense in terms of why we feel the way we do oftentimes and I think helps you remind yourself that your brain is just trying to play tricks and trying to um, not help you live, you know, your best life oftentimes. Exactly. And I love that. And in the interest of time, because I do like to keep these shorter now, um, I would love to wrap up with the question that I like to ask everyone, which is, could you finish this sentence with something that you want young people to know? You are too smart for... That's deep. You're too smart to not go after and spend your time doing what you're passionate about, but it just might take you some time to be in a position to do that. I love that. I love this story. I love your realistic background. I love your honesty and I love your courage because it inspires me every day. Thank you. You're the best. And I just know that you're absolutely killing it. And I cannot wait to see what comes from you, not only like you know, in the next year, but in the next five to 10 years, your career in life is something that I really enjoy watching. And I'm I'm very proud and excited for you. Thank you. Well, you definitely helped make it happen. So I'm really grateful for that. (laughs) Where can everyone find you? And where can they get to know more about Herd? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Maddie Dewey or TikTok, Madison Dewey. Um, And Herd is linked everywhere uh, within those pages. But it's pretty much everywhere, herd.social on on all platforms. Or you can download the app and be a part of our public beta uh, by just going to the app store and searching Herd Social. Iconic. All right, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to Too Smart For This. I really appreciate your support. So please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify. It helps me out so much. If you like this, check me out on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Alexis Barber. And don't forget to follow the show at You Are Too Smart For This on Instagram. Have a fabulous day, and don't forget, you are too smart to not love yourself.